1040 in the morning, May 8th, entering the RSS feed of Got It Memorized, a Twin Peaks podcast with a Kingdom Hearts quote for a title. Shouldn't be too hard to remember. I'm sure the hosts have a fun show. That's what I need. Fun show, reasonably paced. I'm Wheels, and this is Joe. How are you, Joe? I'm doing all right. Uh, I don't really have any jokes prepared. This is just a perfect episode of television we're going to discuss it's today. So, it's so good. It uh-huh. is. I think just. I think it's just my favorite episode of television. Full stop. I don't watch as much television. I'm. I'm. A, I'm a movie boy. Mm-hmm. So probably this. This is it for me. Or like, and something from this show. Maybe episode eight of the Return. Like that's up there too. It's up there too. But uh, yeah, no, this is this is great, and I'm looking forward to it. And I did realize though when you were doing the intro that like every time you get to shouldn't be too hard to remember. I'm just like that man's name is Harry S. Truman. Like they just <laughs> named him. They just yeah. named him Harry S. Truman. Okay. <laughs> uh, I love it. It's great. It makes his name really easy to remember. He's uh, yeah. right. Shouldn't be too hard to remember. Do you want to fade into episode two, Zen or the Skill to Catch a Killer? What a good title. Uh, yes. I've also seen it rendered as Zen or the Art of Killer Catching, um, mm. which is interesting. I wonder, I, that might be because I think some of these titles started with the German, I think you were telling me That's last right. time. Yeah. So I, I, I would imagine that might be why the syntax would be different, but the theme would be the same. Mm-hmm. I like this log lady intro that I watched on the Blu-ray. I'm just going to read it. It's just, sometimes ideas, like men, jump up and say, hello. <laughs> they introduce themselves, these ideas, with words. Are they words? These ideas speak so strangely. All that we can see in this world is based on someone's ideas. Some ideas are destructive. Some are constructive. Some ideas can arrive in the form of a dream. I can say it again. Some ideas arrive in the form of a dream. <laughs> I just love, I just love, I can say it again, and she repeats it. The great thing about this is that if you're hearing that, and you have, you have no familiarity with, with Twin Peaks, you're just along for the God It Memorized ride, which, like, we love you, thank you for being here. Um, it's gonna be weird for a few weeks. Well, here's, here's another thing I wanted but, to say. If you were considering watching this show, get to this episode before yeah, you yeah, yeah, clock out. Yeah. But if you're in that position, and you're like... What is that babble? It's actually like such a good introduction Incredible. to the events of this episode. But it's the log lady. Like, so she says any, it in a funny way. Any other show, I feel like you could have Cooper sit down and say like, ah, oh, this one, this happened or some other like, like that's kind of what the book is, is a more traditional look back from a character in the story um, in a very formal way. And Lynch is like, no, I'm going to have a lady who talks to her log speak in riddles and yeah. Just in a, in a in a thirty second shot and before each episode, you'll figure it out. Listen, fucker. Some ideas uh, arrive in the form of a dream. She's right. This episode has a lot of dream talk around Cooper. It rules. And some dream. And he he dream talks the dream talk, and he dream walks the dream walk. <laughs> he, he and he dream snaps the dream snap. We fade in to the. Horn residence, so the the Great Northern, but the Ugh. the part of the Great Northern that the Horn family who owns it live in. You can tell it's hey, a perfect O'Hare. episode Stop. of television because it starts with a long silent shot of a family eating with no joy in their life for like a minute. Oh, here's just playing with my microphone. You want to stop, buddy? Yeah, thank you. He's just that's that's just his contribution to the show. I respect. <laughs> yeah. That. It is it is a really great uh way to start an app, but that um that calmness, the placidity of just the silent although it's not very placid now that I'm thinking about it because No, it's the um, horned residents. Right, because it's the horn residents and none of them are talking to each other, which means presumably they're all mad at each other. But anyway, Jerry Horn, who is Ben's little brother, I assume. Certainly in stature. That's right. Busts in. We. This is our introduction to him, right? Yeah, because yeah, because yeah. This new transcript says younger and also describes him as wiry, which is accurate. But yes, Jerry arrives in. Uh, what a what a what a scene in which he makes his debut. 
Do you want to be Ben or Jerry? Uh, how much of this do you want to read? Well, this is like one of my. I guess I. This I'll is be like, doing this, this the was, whole time. I want to be doing all of these because th- this episode uh-huh. has so many funny lines. Yeah, readings. we don't have. We, if we do every scene we want to do for this episode, it'll be longer than our pilot coverage. That's true. So the summary of it is just that uh, they're not having a good time. The the wife, uh, what's her name? Um, cool. Sylvia Horn. She, she's, um, she's not a big character. I couldn't have no. told you. Uh, she uh, has like made this into this huge dinner spread. Like it looks like full on Thanksgiving dinner, but Jerry busts in apparently coming back from Paris and he has a luggage bag filled with baguettes and Mm -hmm. uh, he and Ben eat the baguettes instead of this fantastic dinner that Sylvia has cooked during that period. Ben talks with his mouthful, and it's funny, and I like it's it. It's so it's good. It's funny. It's it's these these are two terrible people, and you get to laugh at them too. Yeah, a brother Ben. This is the best damn sandwich I ever ate. This is incredible, Jerry. You, you know what this reminds us of? <laughs> that's <laughs> mm. that's what the scene ends up being. It's so funny. Jerry's like mouthful response. I I think back to. Uh, Nirvana, the band, the show, their their We Shop Wednesday video that I watch every Wednesday. Um, it's just when when the one guy starts explaining that they should write the song, the other the the other guy's like, "Oh, I reckon, I reckon," and I just think about that all the time. Like I want to work "I reckon" into my hmm. regular speech all the time now. And I yeah, believe in you. I think you can do it. You can make it work. I I reckon, and they. I reckon you can. I, I reckon. I reckon, and the, yeah. So they he eats with his mouth full. A very low resolution screen cap of that was your Twitter header for a long time. <laughs> I was very sad to see it go. But it's a go. It's. I think it's. I think it's better now. Because <laughs> my current <laughs> header is just uh, a screenshot of the Twitter UI saying "not interested in funny tweets." Also very good. But yeah, they they talk with their mouths full, and then eventually they just they eventually leave. excuse themselves and talk about um, what we will we will later figure it out. But uh, we kind of don't know all of the details yet. But later in this episode, we'll realize that what they're talking about is that the two of them run a casino called One Eyed Jacks that is a front for a brothel Mm -hmm. that they own and run and there's you know they're they're gonna head there and have a good time tonight i want to point out that benjamin horn eats the sandwich from the side he holds a long (laughs) sandwich in his hand and 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 bites into the side of it multiple times like a cartoon character eating that's how you can tell he's complex there's there's a a lot going on there he is yes and then um yeah they leave and when they're in a hallway alone he says like oh while you're gone uh, Leland's daughter was killed, and then the Norwegians left. And Jerry's just like, "Well, did they sign?" <laughs> and so, then, like, yeah, so that's how we know that Jerry is also in just, on the yeah. land shenanigans to some degree. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, he realizes the first half of that sentence, and he's like, "Did you say Leland's daughter was murdered?" And he's like, "I'm depressed." And then they <laughs> leave to the to the casino. I don't think we need to really do the. Let's see, do we even... No, I guess we don't get to the casino scene yet, but... No, there's more James and uh, James and Donna stuff, which isn't super... They just make out. I don't really have a lot of, to say about this scene. Yeah, there's some, there's some nice... Uh, if you're in it for the romances, this is one of the, this is one of the cute ones. Mm-hmm. They're cute. They, they say are cute, cute things to each other about love and shit. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> yep. Uh, next scene. I, I did, I think, actually is the casino after that. Yeah, they... Is it, do we learn anything here? I don't think we really do, other than just that they run a casino that's also a brothel, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just really characterization of them being scumbag dudes who... Dirty boys. Yeah. Own, own, own a brothel and frequent the brothel. That's right. Oh, they make... I guess they make... Uh, I, I, they make some references to... There's a new girl there that... Benjamin references is like fresh from the perfume counter or something like that. That eventually is. And I guess I guess we do but. know that if if you were watching this eagle eyed, like trying to put together the pieces, you would connect that Rana Pulaski, the girl who is currently um, incapacitated or in a coma, whichever, um, who was also attacked when Laura was 
that she also her, her job was working at the perfume counter for Horn's department store. So there's some sort of connection you can mm-hmm. make there. I'm not sure you could go much farther than that yet. Yeah, but it's mentioned, and I it you know on the rewatch it certainly caught my ear. But yeah, I don't know what else there is to say about that. And then yeah, there's more James and Donna stuff. They make out. Somewhere. Wow, really? Again? I guess you're right. Yeah. I think they make out in the second scene. The first scene, I think, is just their parents, like uh, Donna's parents, going to bed or something. <laughs> thanks for keeping that in, Lynch. Dave, th- <laughs> yeah. thanks for keeping that in. Um, it's the little moment to add up, you know? Uh, and, then, and then Cooper goes, goes to, to sleep. Well, he gets a phone call, and then he goes to sleep. Oh, and he gets a, uh, a little note under the door that I am trying to remember who gives him. Yeah. Not that it says in this episode. I just want to know. The the it's... phone call that he gets, by the way, is just Hawk, uh, Deputy Hawk, uh, telling Cooper mm-hmm. about. Is he a deputy? Deputy, I guess. Yes. Is is just Hawk telling Cooper that about the about how he saw the one armed man snooping around the morgue, which he thought was weird, but then he wasn't able to follow him, and then just updates Cooper on the perfume counter stuff that Ronette lost her job there, uh, or rather, re- recently quit her job there before. Mm-hmm. Uh, being attacked. Yeah, I don't even remember the note thing. Honestly, I don't remember that happening. Oh, he there's a note that slides under his door that says Jack. With oh, that's one right. Eye. I do remember who leaves this. Should I should I just spoil it so it makes? I mean, I'm just gonna. I we I, I can cut this out if we want to. I I, I my memory is saying it's Audrey, but I it don't is. Remember. Yeah, it is Audrey because it's her trying to. Um, Hit on, hit on Cooper by helping him solve the mystery. Which, um, hey, it's sure. helpful, you know? I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I have thoughts about the Jack with one eye clue in the, in the Tibet stuff. I thought, so I'll, I'll bring it up again there. I thought, also, I mean, who else would be at the Great right. Northern at night? Who would know, that, who would know anything about one-eyed Jacks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to, to, to think about. But then he, he goes to sleep, and... Um, he does not, not yet. Do, not yet. He sniffs the note and smiles, says this transcript. <laughs> is this the scene where he comes in? I can't remember if it's this or the next night where he comes into his room, just stands there for a second and blows his, like, <laughs> bird call he whittled. And I'm pretty sure that the closed There's captions so much, do just say, oh. toot, <laughs> or at least in one iteration. <laughs> Good. Um, there's so many tiny moments like that. Uh, I wonder how many of them were, like, 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 like the... Guy saying the wrong thing when he was asked a question. I wonder how many of them were written down or suggested. And how there's many one. Of them there's a happened. moment like that in this that we'll get to. It's it is. It's another one of those. Who knows how true it is because it's some actor's memory of a scene they shot thirty years ago. But yeah, as true as that is, there's one later in that Tibet scene you're referring to. But the next scene that we get in the script, the good old boys Bobby and Mike getting into some. Bad old stuff. Snake and bopper. Snake and bopper running drugs. Uh huh. They're they're meeting with Leo. Let's see if I got this right. I guess it's Bobby and Mike are bringing money to Leo to pay for drugs that Leo is giving them to sell. Do I, I understand so, drug and... deals? Uh, is that how they work? I, you would think uh, you I, would think there would just be some sort well, you of commission got, you put system. It, in the f- it seems like simpler than than hiding the money in a football and meeting it randomly. In yeah, the woods. that's the thing. He's giving he's giving them like less, but apparently they still owe him money. And it's like I don't know. Maybe they just had a deal, and now they're not able to keep up with it. Or I some guess shit. what I'm saying is, know. it's been a while is since it? I've seen Breaking Bad. But if that's taught me anything, it's that there are more efficient mm-hmm. ways to do this. Well. On the Twin Peaks wiki, I am being recommended a Discovery Channel original Queen of Meth. <laughs> so maybe I could check that out and figure out. Yeah, report back. That'll know. be your homework this week. Okay, yeah, I, I've already forgotten. Um, but yeah, this scene is is really good, especially just in the way it, like, just send Lynch out into a dark forest to make some images, and you're, you're in the clear at that point. And plus, fucking, it like, keeps reminding you... Hey, did you stop being afraid of Leo for a second? You should probably keep Don't. being afraid of Leo because so uh, the way the lights go on him and and on Bobby, there's like the, there's like a flashlight on him in such a pale way that like I feel like so many people would say like oh well this must be a mistake it looks bad I'm like no they're making him look like a fucking ghoul yeah, on purpose yeah. it's great or the like shaky camera like from the first person like running stuff 
It's so evocative. I love that. Yeah, because Leo, just because I guess he wants to torment these two because they don't have the rest of the money because Laura died with it in her safety deposit box. He and surprisingly has no sympathy for that. No. <laughs> well, some because he doesn't kill them now, but he does threaten them with gunshots. He points a yeah. gun at them. I guess he doesn't fire, but he does point a gun at them and tell them to run <laughs> just to threaten them. And that's basically it. That's right? what sympathy looks like for Leo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he throws. It's funny because he throws the football and they don't grab it. They just leave it on the hood of the car when they drive away. And I'm like, I would have grabbed it. And yeah. It was, saw if there was anything. Yeah. Because it wasn't that a wasn't that part of the deal? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I think they still go off with just half of it. Yeah. And uh, also, Leo has somebody else with him in a mask, like hiding behind a tree, and that's also scary. Oh, I forgot about that. But yeah, yeah. Because I don't know who that is. Uh, at this point on the rewatch, I don't remember if it comes up or is said. I doubt but it's it. Scary. I'm sure he's. Just, I'm sure he just has. He's got some guys, it's Heidi. you know, it's it, it's it's Heidi. That's where she is right now. Heidi. Is that her name? The the the, oh, the, the German waitress the German with two appearances yeah. of the double R who shows up in two episodes. Yes, that is Heidi. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Every time we don't know who someone is, that's going to be my that's go to. The, when, when she says she was jump starting the old man, that's what she was talking about is uh, mm-hmm. running drugs for Leo. Yes. Being his muscle. Classic euphemism. Muscle. Big Ed Hurley. Oh, this is the scene where, oh boy, Big no, Ed's gonna, Ed. Big Ed's gonna get himself in trouble again today. He's going in the doghouse again, Ugh. Big Ed. Big Can't catch Ed a Hurley. break oh. with the b- old ball and chain. <laughs> here's the thing about this this transcript's good because it says big Ed. It doesn't say Ed. It says Big Ed. Mm-hmm. That's how we know that we found the correct script. Mm-hmm. Big Ed. Big Ed covers his hands are covered in like like oil like up to as far as his sleeve will go solid black he says got a light no he walks into his (laughs) he doesn't he doesn't do that but he's he that's literally the first thought i had when the scene starts on his hands uh but he's like struggling to get into his house without like covering the doorknob and oil walks through his house nadine is exercising strenuously it's like the most she's She's in like uh sort of an aerobics leotard thing, but she's doing like some sort of like strength training with like some sort of she's 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 working out the guns, you know? Yeah. It's like it looks like a, a at home rowing sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And Ed walking through accidentally steps and trips on and breaks and drops oil on her silent drape runner project. Oh. Uh. She's so peeved. Aww. She is uh, Ed! so peeved. Ed says, I'm sorry, honey. I didn't see you there. You stepped on my drape runner. Well, honey, it was right out in the middle of the floor. You think that's an accident? <laughs> I laid those out there myself. I was up all night working on that invention. I'm going to have the world's first 100% quiet runner. Well, I'm really sorry, Nadine. And you make me sick! <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor, poor Ed. Oh, poor This is Ed. foreshadowing. Nadine it, uh, is so incensed that her, uh, the, her adrenaline peaks and she bends the at-home rowing device so hard that it bends the metal. She's like half of Ed's height and probably weight and, and I 10 still times his energy now 10, yeah. 100 times his intensity yeah uh oh you big lug ed uh yeah he and, and she plays it so well in these scenes and i i think where it, the second scene <laughs> The follow-up mm. in this same episode is the funniest possible punchline to Yeah, it is such a great performance thing. because she knows she's a comedic like you can tell that she knows that she's a comedic character, but that it, that this is a this is a a person. relatively naturalistic world. So, yeah, so like I I know people who like the I feel like in her delivery you can feel like she's clearly frustrated about other things, you know. But like mm-hmm. this is just the thing that is her focus. Yeah, exactly. So 
I like that that doesn't really come through in the dialogue, but it super does in the performance. Yeah, I can't I I I can't speak I don't remember enough about the whole show to say like this is what I'm about to say as an asterisk on it cuz maybe I'll take it back in season 2. I never feel like this this actor is playing is like thinks that they're better than the character they're playing. They're just right. doing a full on performance. I might take that back in season 2. We'll see. I don't know. But for now, I, I I say it for these scenes, and they're just really good. Um. Anyways, is it's time again for is this the? I th- no, not yet. Uh, I there there's like a quick scene with um. Shelley watches the soap up. opera. Yeah, Coop. There's this quick scene of Cooper setting up um something out in the woods. He's measuring something that's exactly sixty feet six inches, which I'm just now realizing uh, is is two sixes. I don't know how many inches that is total. It's probably not 666, but they, they don't explain what this is yet, but we'll come back to it. And everyone is already bewildered. But yes, then Shelly watches her soaps. Invitation to love. It is this return. This invitation to love TV show appears in multiple episodes in the first season. It has its own plot that progresses in the background of this show. That will occasionally be thematically or plot. Yeah, not not related, be, obviously, because it doesn't impact things because it's fictional within this world. But it it reflects. Mm-hmm. Is it though? It, it well, you don't think this is a TV show in the world? No, I I mean I do. It's just I was reading and there's a character in season three who has the same name as a character in this show. That's right. And so after that, I've just been like, I'm gonna pay way too much attention to this fucking fictional soap opera inside of this soap opera. But it typically. Um, if like in this case, we essentially just see the these are the days of our lives style intro. Mm-hmm. But later on, we get things that are like often amplified and even more soap opera sized versions of things that are happening within the episodes of Twin Peaks that we're watching. It's very neat. Yeah. But each day brings a new beginning and every hour holds a promise of hmm. an invitation to love. Yeah. Well, you see, Wyndham Earl's going to knock Cooper into the big TV, and he's going to go inside of the show. And then it's going to be hard to tell what's canon at the end when you get to the end and some and Yozora shows up. <laughs> um, I just, I was like, I don't know if this joke's going to make sense unless I say Yozora's name. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bobby comes by, says saying hi to his he does. secret girlfriend, but I guess they don't got to be secret anymore because the non-secret girlfriend's dead. But he comes by... To visit Shelly while Leo's well, gone. Well, on 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 his side, it doesn't have to be secret. Mm-hmm. On hers, it does. Bobby saw that he passed Leo on the road a while ago, so he knows they got at least twenty I gotta, minutes. I gotta just, I gotta just read. Hey, baby, it's the big bad Bobcat. <laughs> but that's gotta be that's gotta be like a deal breaker, right? If someone has a nickname for themselves that's as bad as the big bad Bobcat, is it better than Bopper? <laughs> is it worse than Bopper? Oh God! Imagine. No, actually, I don't want to imagine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I no thoughts. Uh, I'm gonna keep my head empty. Shelly, Bobby finds out that Shelly, because he sees that she's bruised. Bobby finds out mm-hmm. that about how Leo has been physically abusing Shelly, and Bobby says that if he ever does that again, he's gonna kill him. Um, and that's the end of the scene. Somehow forgetting the last interaction they had in which he thought he was going to die. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the power of love. And then the song plays. <laughs> the next line of dialogue is just a big ad saying, cup of coffee. <laughs> yep, it's uh, Ed going to the double R to get some consolation from Norma, who does in fact mm-hmm. console him. It shows kind of the dynamic of the affair that the two of them had, where Ed just kind of smiles and says, I'm in that. It's not the first time and it won't be the last, but I'm in that doghouse again. Um, and it's just like, you can tell that the two of them are close because they both find themselves getting the raw end of the deal from their partners unfairly um, in different ways. I don't know ways. anything about Norma's situation yet. I, I can't remember yeah. if she said anything in the pilot. She does. She mentions that her I don't think we talked about it, maybe. Yeah. Then. Yeah, but yeah, worth worth mentioning in case we didn't say it in the pilot. I already don't remember. But well, I popped a grease gun, stepped on a drape runner, and all hell broke loose. Oh, if I had a nickel, 
<laughs> uh, yeah, their interactions are always so, like, pleasant. Mm-hmm. You're always just like, this is nice, I want more of this. And then they go back to their unhappy situations. And yeah, she, he's still got that big bandage on his head from, uh, from, the, from the roadhouse. From Bopper. Bopper, boppy, bop him to go one. <laughs> he gave him the bop him, sock him robots. Give him, give him the big boppy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh. <laughs> Young Bobby Briggs. Okay. We should do this. We should do this scene, right? Yeah, we, oh, I don't know how much of it we got to do, but we got to do some of it. But the the next scene, it lasts a while, but uh, it is it is out in the woods in the day, uh, this this next day now. Cooper has a whole fucking thing set up to uh, that he will explain. There's a in, truck in the board. Dialogue. There's a bottle mm-hmm. standing on logs. There's a bucket of sixty rocks. feet, six inches away from where he is standing. And he's got the entire sheriff's department gathered with him too. And mm-hmm. yeah, they get everything all set. Uh, Court Cooper, of course, has a comment about he's- how good the coffee is. He spits it out, and he's like, damn good coffee, and hot. <laughs> Which, like, you know, you're allowed to drink it. He's so taken aback by how good it is that his body rejects it. He's not ready for it. I'm not a coffee drinker, so I super don't get oh, it. I am. Damn fine. By way of explaining, says Cooper, or do you want to be Cooper, or do you want to be the audience? I'll be Cooper. I love this scene. Yeah. It's, it's the thing while I'm listening to it, I'm like, I bet citations you could do an episode about how some of this is factually incorrect, but I'm just engaged with the whole performance and the fact that this character believes this and feels so strongly about it. It's mostly true. It's in a it's in a frame, but it's mostly true. I, I walked I walked away with questions, but it does not affect my enjoyment of the scene. It's yeah. one of those. Um which we talked before about the malleability of well, these characters are are cops, but Yeah. Someone posted a really good comic. I wish I I Wish I had it pulled up in front of me to reference who uh, uh, made it, but it, it was like just Harry and Andy talking about like the show as if they're not in it. And it's like, oh, it's about the cycles of abuse and how uh, police and FBI are just completely incapable of stopping or doing anything about it because they keep happening. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's a very good thing to walk away with is that uh, things uh, don't get better. Um, okay, but Cooper is standing by his chalkboard now that everybody sits down. He, yeah, he pulls out a big pointy stick um that he just had on him and he says by way of explaining what we're about to do i'm going to first talk to you a little bit about the country called tibet and he flips <laughs> the chalkboard over to reveal a big map of tibet on the back and everybody apparently he just travels with this anytime he's gonna solve a mystery Good. There's no way he found it in town, but also later Lucy is reading a book about Tibet, and I want to know where she found that and how quick, it's how she huge, did it so quickly. It's a giant tome, and it, and its title is just Tibet. I guess it was in the bookhouse, maybe. Who can, who can <laughs> well, say? No, the bookhouse is the bookhouse is the jail. No, is it? What? Well, what are the, the bookhouse book boys them. have a library? They have, yeah, that's true. They have like have a, that's what a, I'm like a of. reading room. That's true. I forgot about yeah. that. We don't see it for quite a while though. Maybe maybe it's not called the bookhouse, but because I don't think every not every bookhouse boy is a cop. Maybe it's a pun. I guess it's probably a pun that most of them are cops and they work at the bookhouse in that sense, but they actually have a bookhouse. It's probably the mm-hmm. joke. A house of books. It's a, it's a it's a tangled web uh cooper continues an extremely spiritual country for centuries the leader of tibet has been known as the dalai lama in 1950 communist china invaded tibet and while leaving the dalai lama nominally in charge they in fact seized control of the entire country in 1959 after a tibetan uprising against the chinese the dalai lama was forced to flee to india for his life and has lived in exile ever since he then closes down his pointer and continues following a dream i had three years ago i've become deeply moved by the plight of the tibetan people I have been filled with a desire to help them. I also awoke from the same dream, realizing that I had subconsciously gained knowledge of a deductive technique involving mind-body coordination, operating hand-in-hand with the deepest level of intuition. Sheriff, Deputy Hawk, if you will assist me, I will now demonstrate. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Guy? so no, none of that really matters for what he's about to do. <laughs> um, but God, is it compelling. Because what he's about to do... Is throw rocks at a bottle. Oh, wow. My voice. What? Uh, <clears throat> did you hear that? My voice is gone. 
taken to the lodge. Uh, whew, yeah, I guess. Uh, this is this is the spirit of this deductive technique attacking me for <laughs> insulting it. But what he's about to do is throw rocks at a bottle 60 feet away after Lucy uh-huh. says six, someone's 60 name. 60 feet, six inches. That's right. My mistake. And I'll if it you. hits the bottle, <laughs> then that's important. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's so yeah, it's it's got to be exactly the distance. He has Andy over by the bottle to like put it back up if it if it falls down or to, to watch it. It's essentially uh, just like is, it's Cooper, you know, trying to really get into what his gut is telling him by having mm-hmm. his gut attempt to throw rocks at a bottle. I guess. Yeah, and it's very important. Uh, Hawk is holding the bucket of rocks for him. It's very important that he wear kitchen mittens when doing it. Apparently, he also makes sure to say or to 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 have Harry. Say the relationship to Laura um, when he says the name out loud. Then Cooper repeats the name and throws it. And the names that he's doing, he's doing everything related to a J because of nervous about meeting J tonight in the diary. And (laughs) there's a scene like halfway through where Harry steps him aside and is like, this came to you from a dream? And he's like, yes. He just like nods very warmly and is like, yes, it did. And and Truman seems to, uh, this is kind of the moment where the show like essentially tells you that like for whatever reason and we'll get way more into it later the people of twin peaks are pretty open to extreme possibility to to you know mm-hmm. borrow some x-files terms. a lot of weird shits happened that's here. right and so when when cooper says he got it from a dream truman's like all right that's enough for me like He's fine well, with well, that's it. the thing. He's like, he's sincere. Yeah. Like, I think that's the thing about it. Like, he's been living with the log lady for how long? And it's like, it's, you know what? It's, she's living her truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that he, he, he gets that from, from Cooper as well. And it's, it's great. But they do this, and there's like flashes on the screen of whoever they're talking about as well, just to, I guess, further connect names to, to faces if you need them. They go down the list. Uh, let's see. It's like James, Josie Packard. Uh, Lawrence Jacoby. Uh, that one's worth mentioning because the rock hits the bottle, but it does not break. Oh, I remembered my thought. There's there's some galaxy brain take in here somewhere of like this is really all cops do is throw rocks at bottles and like yep that's the answer then this is my hard evidence of I think it's right. So what are you gonna do? Disagree with a cop? Uh. And, uh, yeah, the other one that hits the bottle is, they run through Johnny Horn, uh, Norma Jennings. Is Johnny the one where it bounces off the, no, there's one of them that it bounces off the tree. I think it is, is, (laughs) I think it is Johnny where it bounces off the tree and then hits Andy in the forehead, but. Oh, it, it, it's Shelly, Shelly Jones. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, I scroll it down further. And, um, this scene is very good. Andy says it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt a bit. (laughs) And he's like, you, you, you can tell he's like physically holding he's his like, whole body together and like, like leaning clearly forward. Clearly it hurt, yeah. Yeah, and, every, and everybody's uh, smiling. Yeah, this is where he, uh, Truman asks if it came from a dream. And then they start talking about Jack with one eye, which is on the list. Uh, they don't know who that is. <laughs> they joke that maybe it's, it's Nadine. <laughs> She's got one eye. <laughs> um, but then they, they, they're like, oh, wait, no, there's one-eyed Jack is a... Uh, is, uh, casino up north past the, the in the wildlands of canada mm-hmm. the, the lawless wastes agent cooper i'm gonna erase this because it's a place and not a person actually maybe the person could be in the place so should i erase it yes yes a person could be in the place or yes i should erase it sheriff says lucy and cooper <laughs> says erase it lucy next name harry I really wonder what would have happened because all of this is actually just real and like all of this is effective. What Cooper's doing actually works for the stupid reason that there is supernatural shit happening in this yeah. world. Um, I do wonder if the bottle would have broken if they did one eye jacks because it's important, <laughs> but I don't know because they're not, I, I don't know who could say, uh, but they do the next name, which is Leo Johnson. And uh, this is when the bottle shatters and everyone's like, Oh, this is something now. This is where I had that behind the scenes story because supposedly there's a part where Lucy, you know, we the bottle shatters and Lucy like jumps up in excitement like, oh, he hit it. And she, you know, kind of explain exclaims excitedly that wasn't in the script. But apparently when they were filming this, 
you know, even though they knew they weren't going to, they didn't need Kyle McLaughlin to actually. Uh, they can they can put two scenes together right. if he can't actually hit that shot from sixty feet six inches. But apparently, during the filming, he did actually hit it, and hell yeah, Lucy's actor was just very excited, and she was just very. She was like, "Wow, he actually hit it!" But then just immediately went to do what action she was supposed to do in the scene, which is to write a check mark. But it it comes off so naturally that uh, they used it. It's great. Uh, good, and that yeah, the the end of that scene is that that bottle breaking on Leo's name. Um, connection with Laura, unknown. <laughs> but he's a bad guy. We know he's a bad mm-hmm. guy, so can't can't be good. Then uh, Audrey go goes and puts on her favorite tune at the double R. Not a lot here, other than that Audrey tells Donna, who is also at the double R with her family, uh, that uh, can essentially tells her about uh, what does she tell her. Uh, something about one-eyed jacks, right? He asked if Laura ever asked about, or ever, did Laura ever talk about my father, That's Benjamin right. Horn? And Donna's like, "What do you mean?" Audrey just drops it. She, at one point, she says that she's she's like, "Agent Cooper likes this coffee black," and they look at each other in the, the way where they both know exactly what Audrey is talking about, because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she has a crush on the man. Um, and then she dances to her favorite song, and everyone's just like, "Bam, bam, bam." Mm-hmm. That's how the she, song isn't goes. it? Isn't it? Isn't it too dreamy? She says as she uh, shuffles around the room, and yeah, that's that's the end of that. Uh, now comes my favorite scene in the episode, which is a high bar, especially for this fucking episode. But this is my favorite one. I rewound it, watched it twice. Uh, <laughs> starts with just a new piece of evidence that they don't really get into in this episode. Just some towel that's bloody that uh, Truman and Cooper are looking at in the room. But then Albert arrives. Great character. And Lucy talks to Such a good... What's the name of this actor? Something... Such, Miguel Ferrer. That's right. Yeah. When you sh- when he, whenever he shows up in every, anything that I'm watching, uh, I, say, I, say, I phrase it that way because he's now passed, but you know that person's going to be an asshole, and you know you're going to have a great fucking time watching it. Even, even an awful movie like Blank Check, he plays... <laughs> I just have fun watching him being just the worst man imaginable. And yeah, no, he shows up. And he's like... This this is maybe a more complicated role for him because he's like a good guy who's just an asshole. That's right. Yeah. Do you want to be Albert or do you want to be Lucy? Oh, I'll be Lucy because I don't know if I have an Albert voice at this moment. Albert says he's just a kind of a guy, but does not say hello. Walks up with his uh, cronies who both have sunglasses on. If we didn't mention, Albert is the well. I guess he'll we'll go through it. Um, he, yeah, he, he's the FBI agent. Cooper had a call with him the other day. He wanted him to come up and do uh, autopsy stuff. That's right. And he's the best, according to Cooper. Albert walks up to the front desk where Lucy is, does not say hi, just says, tell Agent Cooper that Albert and his team are here. Albert? A-L-B-E-R-T. Are we going to have to stand here all afternoon? No. <laughs> Albert. <laughs> oh, she goes. <laughs> She goes to get the intercom, but he says it again first. Albert Rosenfield. R-O-S-E-N-F-I-E-L-D. Uh, calls them memorized. into the office. <laughs> got, it, got it memorized. Uh, they, 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 she calls into the room and asks if, uh, like, is Agent Cooper with you? Uh, the sheriff yes. says, yep. And Cooper says, are Albert and his team here, Lucy? Because he's right there next to Sheriff. Mm-hmm. She says, yes, he is. Uh, they are. Cooper says, we're on our way. And Lucy looks up and says, Agent Cooper will be right with you. Albert says, yeah, I can hear perfectly well, Curly. <laughs> he, he turns away to, to, to put a cigarette in his mouth and she sticks her tongue out at him. Oh, we're, that's great. This, this all goes like twice as fast as we're recounting it, by the way. Um, it's, it's incredible. Uh, and then, yeah, Cooper comes out. Uh, oh, yeah, Cooper, or Cooper also, before they come out, warns. Uh, Truman is like, Harry, Albert and his team are the cream of the crop. Albert's a forensics genius. Truman says, working for you, I wouldn't expect anything less. But I gotta warn you, Albert's lacking in some of the social niceties. Oh, but he's nerfed. He literally, he, <laughs> he actually just says nobody's perfect, but it's great. Cooper says, isn't that the truth? And then honks him on the nose with his hand and goes, quank. <laughs> <laughs> Why? He's got a big nose. <laughs> he's like, he already has his hand on his shoulder. He's like, isn't that the truth? And then it's like, quank. <laughs> And then they go, and then they go. <laughs> this little I got your nose. I, and then, and then, you got your nose. Oh, what a perfect friendship these two have. Wow, way to 
uh, friendship. <laughs> oh, they're just they're just good friends. Thank you uh-huh. for breakfast. Special guest Carly. <laughs> yeah, very very distantly on the microphone. I assume. Special guest breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I won't eat it, listener. Not yet. Don't <laughs> worry not. So now they go out in the lobby, and Albert's. Uh, Albert's like, "What in the hell kind of two bit operation are they running out of this treehouse, Cooper?" And Cooper, I, I should mention, in this whole scene is just grinning ear to ear. Oh, because he time. loves this shit. He's like, "Albert's here. He's doing his Albert thing. He's being the yes. He's being the Albert." <laughs> He's like, like he doesn't, he doesn't like point at him, seriously. but he, he basically just is smiling and like constantly looking for like the sheriff's reaction because he's like, he getting a load of this is so fun, but the sheriff is not <laughs> getting a load of this. It's not so fun. He t- takes it personally. Uh, yeah, Cooper introduces him. Albert says, I've seen some slipshot backwater burgs, but this place takes the cake. Uh, it's another beat. And he's like, what are you waiting for? Christmas? We've got work to do, damn it. They're putting this girl on the ground tomorrow and we've wasted half the day traveling out here to the middle of nowhere. Cooper says, Albert, I suggest you and your team get started. Uh, Truman says, Truman like swallows anger and is like, of one of my men escort you over to the morgue. Albert says, that'll be fine. And Cooper hands over the results of the local pathologist report. And Albert looks at it and says, welcome to amateur hour. Looks like an all nighter, boys. They get ready to go. But Truman pulls Albert aside for a second um, and says, I hear that you're real good at what you do. Yeah, that's correct. Well, that's good, because normally if a stranger walked into my station talking this kind of crap, he'd be looking for his teeth two blocks up on Queer Street. <laughs> Damn! Damn. That's where yeah. I live. It's so, I live on Queer Street. It's so funny to me because it's clearly homophobic, but in a way that I don't understand. Like, are you saying you're going to punch either. him gay? What does that mean? <laughs> like... That's what happened to me. I got bullied in high school. <laughs> you got punched so hard you turned gay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh. And Al- Albert just kind of like blinks, half smiles, and leaves. And that's it. That's it. And I rewound it, and I watched it again. <laughs> oh, it's a great scene. Reveled in it. Reveled in it. We took, I think, twice as long to talk about it as it takes to watch. It's just, it flies by. It's a whirlwind of energy. Now we return to Nadine and Big Ed. The A plot. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, comes home. He's, try- he's just in his home knowing what's coming. Uh, and Nadine from like, I think she opens the door and maybe pokes her head out. But she's entering the scene. It's just, Ed, is that you? Yeah, honey, it's me. Ed! And at this she, point. She like runs over. She's, it's like, if you've seen Get Out, it's the scene where the. <laughs> It's the scene where, like, the the groundskeeper is, like, doing his midnight run at night when, when the main Sprinting. character is there the first time. And he's just, like, full-on, like, hands in, like, the hands, um, what do you call it when you're doing the runner thing where they're, like... I don't know. Where I'm you're sure not making your it. fist, they're just, like, fully extended, full-on run. Like, it's like a horror scene <laughs> how she just runs at it. It's great. Um, and... Uh, but she does not... She, she tackles him, but in a hug. And he's very scared and concerned. She says, oh, Ed, I'm so happy, sweetheart. I have to thank you. Why's that? You don't know what you've done for me. Every delivery and the... It's just all paced out so terrifyingly. Uh, Big Ed says, no, I don't. Oh, Ed, you big lug. When <laughs> you tracked all that grease into the house today, you spilled some on my cotton balls. Cotton But instead of tossing them out, I put the greased ones on the runners. And Ed, listen to this. She goes to the drapes and she pulls the little strings and the drapes open and close. She says silently, completely silent. How about that? Oh, Ed. We're gonna be so rich. He seems more concerned about her being happy with him than the opposite. Yeah, he's, he's like definitely relieved that this. he's not being attacked, but uh-huh. he doesn't know where this is going. He doesn't know where this story ends. No, um, who could say? Yeah, really, where where this ends? But yeah, he he grimaces, and then there's a scene that we don't need to talk about no. really. 
with uh, Catherine and Pete Martell, if you remember them, the loveless marriage. They're just getting ready for bed and arguing, but um, talking about Cooper coming by and talking to Josie. When Catherine is, like, distracted doing some shit, Pete, like, sneaks a key out to Josie, who is stealing the ledger um, that Catherine keeps up in a safe. Because even though Catherine doesn't own the mill, she is the person who runs it. Josie technically owns the mill, but Catherine is kind Mm -hmm. of the manager, so she's the one who manages the books. When Josie opens the safe, she finds that there are two two books. books, two ledgers. That's the end of the scene, though. That's the mm-hmm. big reveal in that scene. Yeah. And now we get, we get Leland. We get, we get a scene that is Leland just Leland so... Palmer, for the listener, is Laura Palmer, the, the dead girl. Yeah, I guess he hasn't father. come up much. He hasn't come up much since uh, the pilot, really. But he is, how to describe this scene, he puts on a song, a, 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 a John Pennsylvania 6, 5,000. And he starts dancing depressingly and frantically with uh, the framed picture of Laura that you've seen a thousand times if you've watched this show. We've already seen Sarah Palmer kind of break. We haven't mm-hmm. really seen Leland break in the, This grief. is it, basically. Uh, yeah, and the two of them are just screaming because Sarah's like, what's going... He's blasting this <laughs> swing music and dancing with his dead daughter's portrait and she mm-hmm. just keeps screaming, Leland, what is going on in this house? It's not a happy scene. No. Uh, and then she turns off the music in which um, uh, just kind of gets way more dour without the score, of course. Uh, she, like, tries to get the picture from him. It comes down and, like, shatters. And then he rubs his bloody hand on the picture until he... He seems to, like, sort of snap out of it because he starts sobbing at this point. Like, they're, they're, whatever, whatever he was doing before... And this weird deflection is gone, and now he's just crying. Yeah. Um, and Sarah again screams uh, what is going on in this house, and what a good screamer she is. Perfectly cast. Yeah. The, the, the Palmer women can scream, <laughs> you know? Uh, and that's the end of that scene, and I guess, yeah, I guess we're nearing the end. I, I wasn't sure how long this episode was going to go because we were take, really digging into some of these scenes. Uh, but we're, we're nearing the end now because Cooper is, is back at his hotel at night again, it's, uh, he's getting ready for Betty Bye. Yep, and he goes Betty Bye, puts on the sleep mask, a big bed And he has no dreams, Northern. and he wakes up the next day and back to normal. Not Goodbye, quite. Goodbye, everybody. He has a, he has quite a dream, in fact. Quite um, a dream, actually. It yeah, starts now that with you're just it. some flashes of Laura, just some Laura, general Laura stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think... Almost now that I've seen the alternate ending, I think almost all of it is reused. Stuff that I like watching the alternate ending felt like I was watching it for the first time, and then like, no, it's all here, which is very interesting to me thinking about how the return ends. Because I'm like, is Cooper dreaming about a way things could have gone? It like, it, there's that so many is things meaningless so, to dig into, there, but I, I don't think I'm ready to open that can of worms. <laughs> I just had to say it out loud. I had to get it out of my brain because like thinking about the, not even just because this is a Kingdom Hearts podcast, which, but like just thinking about Lynch repurposing something and recontextualizing it as a dream that is not, clearly not what happened, but like there's a scene where the the one-armed man explains a bunch of stuff and like, and he's looking just off camera. He's not looking into the camera. That scene in the alternate ending is him talking to Harry and, and Dale in the hospital with the flickering lights. Oh, weird. Like, that's the scene where it's like, oh, I had the lights off because they huh. flicker. And Cooper's like, oh, yeah, we know. We were told earlier. And then he goes on to say, fire, walk with me. Huh. But, uh, yeah, and the yeah, and all, all of it's basically reused, but kind of re- restructured. But anyways. Yeah, I should we just read maybe this whole paragraph from the one-armed man? Yeah, we get more flashes of Laura stuff, of Laura's house, of the guy who was crouching behind the bed in Sarah Palmer's yes. vision, and then we cut to in Cooper's dream, the one-armed man who was in the hospital that Hawk saw, and he says, "Through the darkness of future past, the magician longs to see." One chance out between two worlds. Fire, walk with me. This aired on ABC. 
We lived among the people. I think you say, convenience store. We lived above it. I mean it like it is, like it sounds. I too have been touched by the devilish one. A tattoo on the left shoulder. Oh, but when I saw the face of God, I was changed. I took the entire arm off. My name is Mike. His name is Bob. Snake and Bopper. But it different snake, different Bopper. <laughs> Completely, yeah. D- interesting choice to have these names technically correlate, but also in no way correlate whatsoever. And then the, the images uh, change to the, the long-haired man, the, the man uh, that hides behind the, the bed frame, in the visions. frightening visage. Yeah, his name is Bob. We can just go ahead and say that, just, just for clarity of rather than just saying that over and over again now that the one-armed man has said Bob. And also, he goes on to speak in this next scene. Uh, I think this... I'm, I'm already unsure how much of this is new because I'm like, did he talk to the camera? In the pilot ending, but he does in this scene. Um, first, he's like looking up. He's in, I mean, it's a basement somewhere. But he's like looking up. He says, "What does he sound like?" He has such a Mike. I, I feel like Mike. Can you hear me? Something like that. Yeah, kinda. It's like he's not an actor, as you, as we talked about well, before. He, I think he is. He's like an actor and oh. a set dresser. I think. Okay. Uh, there's something about his performance where I, I buy that story, especially because, like, it feels campy in a way some of these performances aren't. Like, it's very turned up. Yeah, he yeah. is a being from another dimension in this performance, and I love it. But uh, he points at the camera and says, Catch you with my death bag. <laughs> you may think I've gone insane. Yep. But I promise, I will kill again. Don't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Catch you with my death bag is such a bar. Like, I know. Come it's like, on. The, the, like, it's a catch you with my death bag is a song title. Death bag is a band. Like, <laughs> there's so much here. <laughs> yeah, it's, ugh, it's, it's dense. We see a shot of like candles surrounding some sort of like tiny little mound of dirt, which to me connects to a later grove in the forest that we'll see, but it, that's just me oh. making connections. I, it reminded me of the mound of dirt. With this, is there something in the dirt? Because it, it looked to me a lot like where they found the half of the. It does look like a very similar mound of dirt to where they, to where James and Donna buried the half of the mm-hmm. heart. That's for sure. Well, I was just thinking about the where they found it in the train car because that's also like that's kind true. of yep, in a specific right. spot left. This isn't. It, you can't really tell from these shots. It is in the same room as him in the alt ending, but um, not sure if that matters for this dream sequence. Yeah, you, we get cuts back and forth of Cooper uh, tossing and turning in bed. Um, and then we, we didn't mention that technically at the beginning of the dream, we see like shots of this red room, um, which if you've never seen the show before, I recommend just maybe Googling on YouTube Cooper's dream. Like if you're not going to watch this show, at least maybe watch this scene. Our art references it. You've probably seen a million. Simpsons has done Twin Peaks references like three, four times. But he, Cooper is sitting in a room that the walls just seem to be red curtains. The floor is black and white chevrons. In his dream, he is older, like, by 20 years. 25, maybe. (laughs) Who could say? And, yeah, you sent me a a picture of this for art reference and referred to it as Stoned Cooper. Um, (laughs) Did I? (laughs) mm Mm-hmm. It's funny. (laughs) Uh, And, yeah, he's he's sitting in a chair. There's, like, two across from him. The camera cuts to a, a, a very short man who is uh, kind of just shaking. Like, it's he's kind of dancing in place, but the footage is reversed and sped up, I think. Because it's just it really just feels like a vibration. That's right. So he's sometimes called the man from another, the man from another place. He's sometimes called the arm. Yeah. That's t- I guess technically a spoiler, but that's it's like, later. But like, it, it, it's not a spoiler that fucking matters. It's not an answer. That's for sure. We'll no. eventually find out that he has a connection to Mike, the one armed man. In that he is in some metaphysical way the arm that Mike cut off when he saw the face of God. It's interesting when, like, I feel like later stuff gives more context to this, and then going back, just being like, the one-armed man, just to say, we lived among the people, I think you say convenience store, we lived above it. Like, yeah, <laughs> that, they, he says it. It's all there. 
it's all there. It just it feels so bewildering in this a- ABC soap opera. But yeah, so the man from another place is probably the way that we'll refer to him. And he it, it eventually clicks visually that all of his motions are backwards and just disorienting as a revol- result. Like, I think the performance, it's not just that it's backwards, therefore it looks weird. There's an incredible performance happening that's tuned to the fact that it's going to be reversed. That's right, because the actor has to say his lines phonetically backwards because it is filmed with him saying his lines backwards and doing his blocking and acting and dancing backwards. And Mm -hmm. then the footage is reversed so that his dialogue and dancing looks forward, but but disorienting, but it's disorienting because you can't do it perfectly backwards. And so Mm -hmm. all of the. The, the, All the, the phonemes are a little wrong. It's, it's like, you know, you've heard it in music a million times where like a beat is played with the drums backwards. So it's so like a, a crash symbol is like instead of the reverse. Right. And but it's a speech mm-hmm. version of it. And so uh, it kind rock. of ends up just sounding like a northern European accent as he says, let's rock. <laughs> mm hmm. And, uh, I mean, by now you've heard it twice at the end of our episodes, because we've been doing that with uh, yeah. our, our Got It Memorized. Uh, and now you know the context, I guess, if you <laughs> have never seen the show before. In the other chair, like, the, the, man, the man from another place, I think he, he, hasn't, uh, he does move over and sit down. And then next to him is a woman who is played by Cheryl Lee. She looks exactly like Laura Palmer, but this conversation seems to make it seem like she is not Laura Palmer. The... Uh, Cooper doesn't say anything yet, but he's looking at these two figures very slowly. And the man from another place says, I've got good news. That gum you like is going to long beat. Come back in style. There is a long beat where he decides to say come back in style. And then he, yeah, they just kind of continues to stare at uh, the woman here. And then he continues. She's my cousin, but doesn't she look almost exactly like Nora Palmer? I love your impression of this voice. I've seen this scene so many times. Uh-huh. I, I believe it. Uh, Cooper notably just talks, none of his stuff is backwards. He just says, but it is Laura Palmer, and looks over at her and says, are you Laura Palmer? And the character who looks like Laura Palmer says, who also seems older than the teenagers, the teenager whose photo we've seen. Um, she says, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like, it's age. I don't makeup. know when that picture it's was not taken great, too. It, it works though. It works better. Or than I Cooper's, guess it's I think. age makeup on him. I don't necessarily remember if there is on her, but anyway, she says, yeah, if, there, if there is on her, I didn't necessarily clock it. But maybe she, that's just because it's next to Cooper. She says, I feel like I know her. But sometimes my arms bend back. <laughs> uh, to be clear, that do. was, I feel like I know her, but sometimes my arms bend back. You'll be happy to know, if you've never seen this, that this scene does have subtitles for all the backwards talking. The man from another place says, She's filled with secrets. Where we're from, the birds sing a pretty song. And there's always music in the air. That's... A great impression. He does say it music, but I know that you had to say music to make it uh, discernible. But he says, and there's always music in the air. <laughs> the air. Uh, um, and then. I love the uh, backwards some, talking so much. Yeah. And then, and then some jazz comes in. And there's a, a snap to it. I actually don't know if it's that song. I can't remember. So the woman gets up and she like kisses Cooper and then whispers something into his ear. And then he wakes up as the man from another place goes off and dances some more. And yeah, and then he wakes up. I think I, I probably clocked this the last time I watched this as well. But like, I guess he went to bed with his hair gelled up and he wakes up yeah. with it like sh- one yeah. side of it just shot up. It's so it's good. so funny. It's such a good detail. And he gets up and like she shoots out of bed. He dials the he's phone sn- and says, still snapping to the beat notably, yes. which like to me means like he's got to keep snapping or he's going to forget the dream, which is so good. Uh, th- yeah, there's something about him like uh, the, the snapping and the way that he what, what he ends this phone call with. I'm just like, Cooper, are you OK? Are you still there? 
Uh, but he he calls uh, Harry real quick. He says, Harry, it's Cooper. Meet me for breakfast, 7 a.m. at the hotel lobby. I know who killed Laura Palmer. And there's a beat where Harry says something, and Cooper replies with, no, this can wait till morning. <laughs> Hangs up the phone, keeps snapping, and the credits roll, baby. Joe, where are you on the internet? No, dear listener, this can wait till next episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Ghost of Joe, Ghost of J. Oh, I'm on another podcast called We Are Watching One Piece, where we're recapping One Piece. Uh, May, we're finishing up uh, Punk Hazard, about to do some setup for Dressrosa, and then June, hitting Dressrosa in full force. We're getting a tournament arc. We're getting way too many things at one time, because that's Dressrosa's biggest fucking problem. But I'm excited to talk about it with my good friend, Jewelry. Uh, you can also, if you go to ghostofjoe.com, you can read essays I've been writing about all the all the Disney movies. I'm now in the 50s, I think by this week, uh, maybe Sleeping Beauty's coming out. I fucking love that movie currently my favorite one that I've, I've watched for the project project is called make mine movies uh if, if reading is hard for you to get into you, you, you'd rather listen to me read it uh to you you can search in a podcast app or spotify for make mine movies they're usually like 10 minutes or less uh our, our friend of the show chris says he listens to them on his walks every day <laughs> um or i guess at the days that i put them out they're monday and friday but, uh, yeah, and I also tweet those out when they go up. Wheels, where could people find you on the internet? Twitter.com slash Singular Wheels, as well as a podcast called Very Random Encounters, where some friends and I play tabletop role-playing games and randomly determine as much as is possible. We're currently playing Bubblegum Shoe, Solving a Mystery, there's some... There's stolen prize money from the flower show, and Yo! God damn it, we gotta figure out who took it! We think gotta crack that. The, Maybe you'll get a dream. The local grocery talk. store might be involved. Oh. There's a lot going yeah. on. I um, think maybe you'll get a dream and, and Laura t- will tell you and then you'll forget in the morning. It sounds like a great thing. It sounds like it'll fit right within our story. Um, <laughs> uh, it's very random encounters. You can find that at vre.show. You could also buy the book of random encounters that my co-hosts there and I wrote. Um, that's for your tabletop role-playing game, just to spice it up with some randomness. It's uh, coming out in October, but you can pre-order it now, and that would help me greatly. And you can do that at bit.ly forward slash random book with a capital R and B. Yeah, pre-ordering is, is, is so good for, for books. <laughs> so you can follow this show on Twitter at MemorizeCast, uh, where we retweet stuff related to stuff we've covered, or maybe I shitpost about it. Uh, sometimes tweeting about what's going on with the Kingdom Hearts updates or The World Ends With You. Um, and what else is there to plug? Our, our theme music comes from the great beyond from above the, the, the convenience store. It's linked in the show notes. It's just a remix of the, the, the main theme of this, uh, show. We can also, you can also support us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash memorizecast. Uh, you can get these episodes early for a dollar a month. $5 a month will get you bonus episodes. Um, normally we take turns, uh, explaining things to each other. I'll do Jojo. I'm in part three. Wheels will guide me through some Elder Scrolls stuff. We've been reading Coda Joe, lately. I just realized I actually got a time zone wrong. I gotta bounce. Mm. <laughs> I have five minutes. Oh, shit. To get, I gotta, uh, I'm just gonna run. hit stop and I will leave this call and I will send you the audio. Okay. I'll just finish the plugs alone. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. And now I'm alone, dear listener. But we're we're talking about maybe doing some some special stuff on the on the the, the Patreon this month. We haven't decided yet. But uh, go 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 support us on Patreon. Thank you so much to everybody who does. It means a ton. Uh, you can also join our Discord server. Links in the pinned tweet, or you can. I think it's in the show notes. It should be in the show notes as well. And yeah, review us on iTunes if you haven't. Helps a ton, especially now that we're starting something new and different. Uh, if you if you're considering watching this show, I really do recommend getting getting through episode three and being like, if this doesn't hook you, then I don't know what will. But man, this episode's good. Uh, I wish we could cover it again. Um, but I yeah, uh, I, I've seen a lot of people saying they're going to check out this show uh, because uh, we're covering it, and I'm I'm really happy uh, to to see people watching it and uh, and getting into it. So that that that's great. I can't think of anything else to plug. And normally wheels plays the thing backwards so I can, so we can say it backwards. So, um, uh, luckily they, they did the intro, so I can't say, uh, that was Zin 
or the skill to catch a killer. Yeah, this <laughs> Hey everyone, Andrew here. I'm taking some of your sweet podcast time to let you know that this weekend is when we're doing a little event that we are going to call Stream Forever. Over on the Orange Grove Switch channel, we're going to be streaming to raise money for Asian Americans advancing justice. We're going to kick off a pretty chill stream at twitch.tv slash theorangegroves at 11am EST with a simple plan. The more you donate, the more we will stream. If y'all keep it up, we'll never stop. We're going to have multiple games and crafting projects around the entire stream, and the more money we raise, the longer it goes. We're blocked out and ready to go into Monday and even beyond if we need to, with cool donation incentives to give away like some Nintendo DS lights that I customized and other neat stuff. Again, the more you donate, the more we will stream. If we keep hitting our goals, we'll keep it going. We start on Saturday, who knows when we'll stop. So come check us out, give us a donation, and help us stream forever. 11 a.m. over on the Orange Grove Switch channel.